Good day. Welcome to another episode of the North and Gold podcast. I am Benji. I'm Alaskutan, and I am celebrating a big BYU win on the blue. They finally got their W. They finally beat Boise State in Boise. And my opinion on that turf just went up just a, a tiny little amount. It went from the ugliest football field I've ever seen in my life to a pretty ugly football field. <clears throat> and uh, I'm Jake. And the, the reason I'm Jake Johnson 32 on Twitter. And the reason that song works for me is because I'm blue for a different reason, man. I am blue because my freaking football team cannot seem to lace up their cleats and get on the field. And, and if you think about it, how crazy this year has been. Um, I mean, you've got two games left on your schedule, two games, and we still have not taken the field yet. That's crazy, man, and it's got me. It's got me feeling blue, daba dee, daba do. It's very blue. We need some. You need an Elvis impersonation there, just uh, so blue. Yeah, actually, one year, <laughs> I to to that one year, my my boss and I, when I used to work for Corporate America, my boss was a, B, a big time BYU fan. We bet on the two thousand seven Utah Holy the Holy War game between BYU or BYU um, won. 1710 I believe it was that was the four, that was one of the fourth and 18s right that was the fourth and 18 we were yeah. 10 to 9 and it was fourth and 18 and Austin Collie snuck out of the backfield uh, behind our secondary and got the huge conversion anyway so the the bet was whoever lost the winner got to design that christmas card for their family that year right and so he yeah. had me and my family dressed up in all BYU gear and the caption was i'll have a blue christmas without you <laughs> and it was man it was blue but not as blue as i am this year man yeah and we were talking <laughs> earlier on twitter i think this was a a midweek mailbag entry where uh, I believe it was Johnny J that was asking us to to reminisce on times. How often has it been this lopsided that we've had one fan base just absolute elation and another fan base in the pit of despair? And I think that we're there right now, right? Absolutely there right now. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, it's so different about this year because the pit of despair isn't like, no hope because our team sucks. It's like we can't right. even get on the field, man. It's just crazy. Yeah. You know, I don't think you have to go back that far. Actually, I think last year Utah was all all kinds of in 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 the pie in the sky, and BYU had lost to Toledo and USF back to back. You know, and I, I think yeah. at that point either three and five or something like that. I think last year it was. The, it seems like you know. It seems like every year we're basically opposite now. Yeah, one way or another. You know. I mean this in a sincere way, not trolling at all, because I honestly don't remember. What was Utah's highest rank last year during midseason? Five. We were five. Got up going to five. In, we were number okay. five championship weekend, dude. We were number five going into Oregon week. We had 
Freaking number five in the four teams in front of us was Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. And Georgia yeah. and Alabama were playing in the in the championship game, so that whoever lost that was going to be knocked below us. And every freaking person you talked to had Utah in the playoff if we beat Oregon. And we were ahead of Oklahoma, who was six. And people kept saying, a lot of the detractors, well, I mean, like BYU fans kept saying, oh, Oklahoma's going to jump you. Oklahoma's going to jump you. They had three weeks where they could have jumped us, and they didn't. They were behind yeah. us three straight weeks, and they played ranked teams each of those weeks and won, and they didn't jump us. So, yeah, fifth going into the freaking championship game. We beat Oregon. We are in the freaking playoffs and did ever since then has been nothing but downhill garbage for me since that moment the second i walked into levi stadium from that moment on utah football has been nothing but bad news disappointment and sadness you're cursing them by buying your tickets early you got to hold off on that you know get just get a last minute flight because when you get your you get the airfare for that championship game you're, you're cursing them i know i am Gosh, man, what a what a joke. Yeah, but fifth, we started out yeah. the season 14, moved up after we beat BYU, then we lost to USC, dropped down to the mid-teens, then we just moved up after that. And like I said, the week going into championship week, 11-1 and and ranked fifth in the country, everything in front of us, and we just – here we go again. Now, play that blue song again because I'm back at it, man. We Just keep this going on the background. I don't know how many minutes we get before we have to pay royalties. <laughs> little dance party here. You know, the, the memory I think of is, and this is very specific, though I experienced this in a way no, no one else did. I, the day that BYU got throttled in Ann Arbor, Mich- Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it was the same day Utah walloped Oregon, who was a very yes. good Oregon team. Well, that happened the same day, but for the same day for me, it happened at the exact same time because I had foolishly volunteered the night before to accompany a Boy Scout troop to a little lake activity day. All this, so I thought, all right, I'm DVRing the game. So I came home, and I watched. I, I was ignoring Twitter. You know, you watch the game delayed on your own time. And my heart was just breaking as BYU just struggled. I watched that second half really, really fast. Fast forward between every play. It's not getting better, not getting better. And I finished the game thought, all right, well, at least I can turn to live TV right now. Utah should be in about the third quarter of Oregon, and I bet they're getting destroyed, and then I'll feel a little bit better. No. I turn over to Oregon, and I turn in just in time to see Britt Covey's freaking amazing fake punt return. And the score at that point, it was getting out of control. So I watched the rest of that game and thought, man, Utah right now is the high of highs. BYU is the low of lows. And the crazy thing is, it was just the day before. I mean, we've had seasons where it's like good season, bad season. That was a moment where, like, just the day before, BYU fans were all high on their team because things were going really well. Things were looking good. Looked like Utah wasn't so good. And just on a dime, I'm in two games, one Utah game, one BYU game, and the narrative suddenly is just 180. And BYU was terrible, and Utah was amazing. And, yeah, uh, it's a Yeah, you're probably right, dude. That that was another example. That was, I mean, where we were – dude, after after that game, we got as high – is number three in the country going into USC that season. We were six yeah. and zero. Oh. This is funny. We were six and zero. Oh. We were number three in the country. Uh, I go to that, that USC game and I'm in the USC section and they just beat the crap out of us because when they have athletes and they decide to focus, they can beat anybody in the country because they are so loaded. So anyway, they beat us. And as I'm walking out, some some 
USC fan had been talking trash the whole game. It was just waving, bye, see ya. And I look at him and say, have, I, I say, hey, have fun in the Vegas Bowl. You know, because I was just assuming <laughs> we'd win out. <laughs> and you know where we went at that year? We ended up in the freaking Vegas Bowl. Utah did. <laughs> after, oh, I, after I said that to throw it in the USC guy's face. And they ended up winning the conference that year. Or the, the, yeah. the division, anyway. They had That was uh, not Sam Darnold's freshman year. No, I think it was... I can't remember, but they, they ended up winning the division. We ended up in the Vegas Bowl after I'd say, hey, I had fun in the Vegas Bowl. So karma. It's, it's karma, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, let's break down one of our two teams. We want to go over BYU's game, or do we want to dwell on Utah's uh, possible future? Uh, let's let's get to Utah after we talk about you guys. Let's. I, I'm not right. ready yet. Give me another five okay. minutes, and I'll be ready. I need, to, I need to go over a few things I had said last time that I want to kind of um, change a little bit. So last, last episode, I said, I believe in my heart of hearts that on a normal season with a normal schedule, this BYU squad is top 25, somewhere between 20 and 25, but that's where they would settle down. After what I saw against Boise State, and you got to, I mean, the excuses are all there. Yes, they had their backup quarterback. Yes, there were no fans in that place, but you got to look a little bit deeper. Even with every little factor, variable, anything you can throw there, nobody has beaten Boise State that bad since they played Georgia, who was a legit end of season. I believe they finished in the top 10 or maybe 11. Uh, But only Georgia in the SEC on a good year has been able to do to Boise State what BYU just did. That's year in, year out, all the different teams. Boise State schedules, their philosophy is a little bit like BYU's. They're taking on the big boys. They're not backing down. And nobody does that to Boise and BYU just did that to Boise. So there I'm putting them in the company with Georgia that they have now they're the second team in the modern era since Chris Peterson was at the helm, you know, including all of Chris Peterson's years to do something like that to Boise state, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Second thing, the excuses and we all, all the BYU fans are quick to point out last year, we beat them by a couple of touchdowns with our backup quarterback with no running back. One interesting statistic on this, Tyler Algier, was the BYU's leading tackler in the game last year. He had the most tackles on BYU's defense. He was the leading rusher in the game this year. I mean, you look at that and say, okay, yeah, Boise gets all the excuses for injuries. No, BYU's, the, if you take these two games start to finish, BYU's had just as much bad luck with injuries. So we can't point at that. You can point at, yeah, BYU's had a whole bunch of games and Boise State's only had three. But you know what? With both of these teams, when you look at BYU, they're not any worse at game three than they are at game eight year in and year out because they have so many injuries plaguing them. So that may be a factor that, that helps the other team. But anyway, I digress. That is a legit victory. And I think after what I saw in this game, I'm going to say normal schedule, I would put solidly BYU at about number 15 in the nation. That's saying if every conference is playing, everybody's healthy, all the games are happening, I think they would deserve to be around 15 because of that dismantling of a really tough program. Yeah, no, I mean, based on the results, who might argue, right? I mean, you you went in there and you manhandled them. Zach, Zach, don't call me Logan Wilson is looking like a you know a first top ten pick, which is pretty freaking remarkable rise. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, it's it. The, we'll always look back at this year with either you look back as what if, what if we had an ori- original schedule? I'll look back like like depressed because who, I don't know. If, I honestly don't even know if we're gonna play a game. Like, yeah, there have been now four SEC games canceled this week. Four. Oh, there's yeah. This week, everything's falling apart. This week, everything it's all falling. So, dude, I would not honestly be surprised if 
if Utah's game got canceled this week, in fact, I, I would put it as, as greater than 50% odds. And then at that point, do they just say, screw it, just screw it. Cause we're in the, we're in the PAC 12. We're on the, the, the liberal left coast where, you know, we're, you, we just want to, you know, will they just cancel it because of that? Because they want to be more, you know, proactive with the whole COVID thing than the red States usually are. Right. Are they going to do that? I don't know. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. So we'll both look back at this year is a weird one. You look back like, dang, we were so awesome. It sucks. We didn't get X. Right. And I'll look back. Yeah. Dang, man, it sucks. We didn't even freaking lace up our cleats. And well, yeah, and a lot of that depends on too what happens next year. You know, kind of where things go. I mean, uh, if if BYU, like, we'll just say, if a whole bunch of BYU players get drafted and they come back and they're a different team next year and it's a rebuilding year and all this stuff going on, then yeah, we will look back on this and say, man, I would have loved to have seen this team against a legit schedule. I think what's going to happen, though, is if the majority of their talent comes back and they get a chance at their at next year's schedule, I, I don't think we'll have to wonder very much what if. I mean, yeah, Zach Wilson, he's he's likely going. I think the latest I had read, someone's got him projected to go possibly in the top five picks, maybe pick number six. If you're a top ten pick, you go. You don't, I mean, yeah, you go. The, yeah. Some people don't. I think uh, Joe Burrow maybe came back or Trevor Lawrence came back an extra year when they shouldn't have. Trevor Lawrence like really should have gone last year. Uh, I don't think he could have. I don't think he, I don't think he could have because you have you have the with his age? The NFL. Yeah, you have to be out of high school three years to go to the NFL, and I don't think he was oh. eligible to go back last year. And Joe Burrow. Okay wasn't anything special last year at all. In fact, like I saw a lot of articles before the season that he was like a fifth or sixth quarterback in the sec. So he was good, but it wasn't like Heisman worthy. Right. So I I mean, I look back, like when I look back at uh, at Utah's situation, like Alex Smith could have come back for a senior year, but he didn't go anywhere first overall, you know, like I I always wonder what would have happened if he'd come back for a senior year. Cause we had gone in 2003, we went 10 and two 2002 or 2004, we went 12 and 0. I was like, man, if he comes back for a third year, he could be unfreaking stoppable. He was the third. I think he finished third in the Heisman voting. He was in New York. He was a finalist, but he, you know, he, he didn't come back, but I always wondered what would have happened if he had come back, but he, he had to do what he had to do. I'm glad he went because he was got all that money, you know. Um, and, right. and you're right, dude. I saw I saw a question on Twitter from a radio host who slants towards BYU. I won't say his name, um, but he he was saying that what would you tell Zach Wilson to convince him to come back? It's like, <laughs> dude, you can't do that, man. If you like like you said, if he's a top five freaking pick, bro, that's like. You can't get much higher. I mean, obviously you can go one, but one to five, what's the difference at that point? You know, that's not a not I, that huge a difference, right? So this is a can, litmus you test. You you can tell the difference between because I know BYU fans get a bad rap because there are a lot of BYU fans that are BYU fanatics that maybe their love of the program exceeds their football IQ. You know, there and we've we've talked about that before. Broncos, are you, great, yeah. Are you more passionate than you are smart? Are you more smart than you are passionate? I think this is a litmus test. Any any fan who says, oh, Zach Wilson needs to come back, they love this program more than they understand football. And that's fine. You can love the program more than you understand football. But honestly, as the biggest fan in the world, as somebody who cares about the kid and wants best best for him, you do not tell him to come back. You tell him to go. And you know what? That's not a bad thing because he he's out there balling out on Sundays. If we think he's going to be a pro bowler in a few years, they're going to put BYU's logo every game. They're going to put BYU's logo up all the time. He's going to sit there in the pregame intros, and he's going to say, BYU, Brigham Young University, however he says it, 
he's going to be out there selling our program for years and years and years to come. So go go be successful out there. You know, yeah, dude, that's that's tons of that's tons of exposure. As a top five pick, you want that, right? Um, Absolutely. And, and- Again, we're, we've brought it before. Maybe he could be the same next year. But if you're a surefire top five pick, you freaking do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, so yeah, they, they, you've got a lot of things going for. It. And it's so funny because we talked about you. Um, we in one of our Marco Polos that we do throughout the week. I was talking about juxtapose the two um, seasons right next to each other. It is amazing how how far apart it is. Like the feeling wise, like you fans are so depressed. And and you guys are just on cloud nine, man. Like it's like yeah. it's like worlds apart. It's amazing, and it's like I try to describe people. It's just a weird feeling. I can't even describe it. It's like the most like it's like you're watching a car wreck and you want to stop the the car wreck, but you can't do anything about it. And you're just like, it's the worst. It is, and honestly, as both BYU fans and Utah fans, I don't want to go into dad mode here, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to go into dad mode. There are bigger things than football, you know, like our, our listeners and you and I, we're passionate about our programs. We love football. And, and that might be the biggest motivating factor here. Like I've seen a lot of people say, if you want there to be a football season, wear your mask and do this and this and this. It's like, okay, if that, I don't want to say that's wrong. If that motivates people to wear masks, great. You would think it would be if you love your grandmother and can understand how other people would miss their grandmother if she were to die. But that's not going to motivate everybody, okay? But listen, there's bigger things going on. The rumors I was hearing today, and I'll give them about that much credit, there's rumors, is that in one of the prominent premier high school football programs in the state, people are sick and they are refusing to test because they love their football program so much they don't want to jeopardize their playoff chances and that, as a football fanatic, I get it and I understand. As a dad, as a healthcare provider, as a prominent member of the community, as somebody who wants what's best for everybody, it's sickening, you know? Like, we, uh, th- that mentality has to go. Yeah, for sure, man. And you, we talked about why are all these outbreaks happening now? I mean, look at this. I mean, we're not even to Thursday yet. And last week is Thursday and Friday are when all the games canceled. Utah's game didn't cancel until Friday last week. We're only at Wednesday, and half of the SEC is not playing. Ohio State announced today they're not playing. Like, big-time games are not playing. And, dude, it's probably going to be another dozen more. And people are like, well, what's happening now? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Right. It, we know that this 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 uh, disease takes five to ten days to manifest. Well, what happened five to ten days ago? Halloween, right? Yep. And in college yeah. – you know, you feel in, you feel um, invincible, and I guarantee these players were out with in groups of parties and friends, and they just thought they couldn't get it, and because a lot of times kids this age they don't feel it anyway, so they're out partying, and th- that's the outbreak, obviously, where it's coming from. Absolutely. Well, there's there's that. There's uh, I mean, schools are kind of going back and forth. At least that I've heard of, schools are out, then they're in, then they're out, then they're in. You've got that changing. You've got yeah, you've got family parties, relatives, the trick or treating itself. I think the science was like, well, it's not the best idea, but it's you're right. It's the socialization and and in the college age and the high school age. That's exactly what's happening. And yeah, I mean, we're just getting to the point where this, as it relates to BYU, a lot of people had speculated, okay, BYU not scheduling very many late games, will they drop in the polls? Because every time a, a, a team is idle 
and other people are impressing the voters, they drop automatically. This might mean that BYU just stays comfortable right where they're at because not enough games are happening. It's going to be a rare chance for somebody to really impress the voters to say they deserve to leapfrog everybody who has either bye weeks like BYU or canceled games or postponed games. So it may be that we're just going to call a great big time out on the season. Now, the good for BYU is, okay, maybe they don't drop in the polls. The bad for BYU is... We've got a legit shot at a New Year's Six Bowl and a smaller but still very much legitimate shot at the college football playoff. I think there was something like there's five teams ahead of BYU in their odds for it, and there's two teams tied with BYU. If you were going to go to Las Vegas and place a bet, they're on that level of the sixth team out. I think a 25% chance. They've never had a 25% chance at making the college football playoff, and it might not happen. You know, I hate to say it, but if things trend this way, there will be no New Year's, New Year's Six or New York Six Bowls, and there will be yeah. no college football playoff. I mean, it's just it's the same thing that happened to stupid in basketball. Number 14 in the nation, season over. I mean, this was our shot. We were going to go to the Sweet 16. We were ranked number 14. We would have been favorites all the way to the Sweet 16, and it just yep. didn't happen. Yep. It's like it says, I think, a he- Ether 12-3 or he- I don't know, not to quote scriptures, but except the, except the Lord doth chasten his people, except they remember him, the Lord doth chasten his people. He's chasing you. He's giving you a good basketball team, but pulling away the tournament, giving away a good football team, but pulling away the, the bowl season. You know, I just, dude, it's, it's, and you know what? You said, if it can trend, can you trend this way? Dude, the trend it's on now, there will be no playoffs in bowl game because, right to have this many high-level games happening now, that that means the trend is going this way. And if it keeps going that way, I wouldn't be surprised if they say, you know what, no postseason. We're just going to have you guys play your conference games out, and then uh, that'll be it, you know? Like, it wouldn't surprise me. It just, dude, it's, it sucks because when this first happened, when this first started happening and back in March and Rudy Gobert got it, I was like, <laughs> oh, man. We're going to be without sports for a week or two. This sucks. Yeah. I never in my life, in my friend DGod23, he said there will be no football this fall, and I bet everything. I, never in my life would, did I think once football season rolled around we'd be in this position. I just thought, you know, we'll get this will slowly go away. People will, will people will do what they need to do, and we'll, we'll get a handle on this in a few weeks. And But, dude, it's like it's worse than it's been the entire pandemic, man. And it's, it's affecting everything, and it sucks. Is that bet still up in the air? Was it was the bet college football or Utah college football? Utah football. <laughs> okay, so that that still TBD then, huh? Well, it's actually I ended up losing because we actually got we got really specific. We drilled down to, to like put terms in because we bet we bet dinner at Ruth's Chris and Ruth's Chris is expensive, so we want to make sure we knew what the bet was, right? And <laughs> we, so we I had lost. a notarized contract. We had a lawyer yeah, go over the fine. It was print. like if seventy five percent of the games happen before November. Um, but they had like all these weird things. Basically I had to have seven games happen before the end of de- before December to, for it to, for me to win. And okay. that's not going to happen. So he won, which sucks because I bet this dude, this guy's my friend. I bet him all the time. And I'm like 45 and Oh, on bets with him. <laughs> I never lose because he's always so pessimistic that I capitalize yeah. on it. I, I, I find logical things. I'm like, I'll bet you this. He's like, yeah, for sure. And then I always win, but this is the first time I've ever lost a bet to him. And it sucks. Interesting. That'd be a good, that'd be good. I hope that is recorded somewhere. Chronicles that people can go through in the future and say, this is what Jake bet. This is what, uh, D God, what, <laughs> what is his first? Well, maybe he doesn't, maybe you don't want us to know his first name, but, but this is what the other guy bet and just kind of the results and go through. And that's maybe that will be how some people learn the history of Utah football. 
Maybe, yeah, maybe so. But I do anyway, have to correct a, you on the one. You, sad. Go ahead. You're you're talking about the Lord chastening us with giving us these uh, these great seasons and then taking it away right in front of us. I see that as the Lord confirming you were right all along to be that confident in your program. I'm just showing you, yes, it's possible, but because of the unbelievers, we won't let it happen. But you were right. <laughs> you should believe in them as much as you believe in them. But then it always, as soon as you get to, he takes you to the promised land, the children of Israel, gets you there, but he never lets you go in, man. Yeah, listen, wandering, if, BYU, wandering. if BYU wins national championships year in, year out, in basketball and in football, you're going to have a whole bunch of people join the church for the wrong reasons. <laughs> right. Hey, that's fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> if he, I, I would be too. I'm okay with that. Preventing you from winning national championships for the spread of the gospel, I'm I'm all in. That's great. Oh, I, I mean, I'm okay with it happening. Let's let's win them and get the people in the church for the wrong reasons. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, well, yeah. So there, I guess there's so back to your back to your Cougs, man. Talk. Tell me a little bit more. What player of the game? Who's who's who uh, impressed you the most? So uh, the receivers, uh, Zach Wilson, I mean, you, there's there's no weakness. There's no flaw. I mean, yes, if you go through play by play and say, okay, this guy did this wrong, this guy did this wrong. Uh, but names that jump out to me, uh, Isaac Rex is emerging. Uh, he's someone we likely would not have seen as much had, uh, had uh, Bushman not gone out with a season-ending injury preseason. But Isaac Rex seems to not be missing a beat. And he is young. He's a freshman. And so I am... Super high on Isaac Rex. I think he's got a bright future. Uh, really excited to see his potential unfold. He's he's coming into his own, if you will. Dax Milne, as always, that guy can focus. The catches he makes, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. It doesn't matter how many stars that defensive bag has. When the defensive bag is right in his face and hand in the face mask and kind of all over him, great defense, and he still makes the catch, that is amazing. That is impressive, and he's done it game in, game out. This week, he had a catch where his head was bouncing off the ugly blue turf as the ball was coming into his hands. Like, I mean, and hard, violent. Do you remember the play? Did you see that? This was like a, oh, no, does he have a concussion type of collision with the ground, and he made the catch. And, yeah, it was close. The ball maybe touched the ground a little bit, but as the commentators uh, pointed out the ground didn't actually assist him in making the catch. He would have caught that independent of the ground, and so the the ruling stood. But just to be able to to keep that in your hands, I mean, even if it was overturned, that focus is incredible. So super impressed with Dax Milne. I think he's got a a, a bright future. I see him uh, making it in the league in the same way Kevin Curtis did from Utah State back in the day. You know, he's kind of uh, I think from the same part of town. You know, they're both from South Jordan area initially. Uh, being in high school products. Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. Uh, Kevin Curtis made his way through Utah State. I actually sat by him in church in St. Louis once and didn't know it was him until after it was over. I was, my, my buddy was like, oh, yeah, they were talking about spring practice right before he got, got in there. And I was like, oh, yeah, he was he was playing for the Rams at the time. And uh, anyway, that, that's my connection with Kevin Curtis. Uh, but I can see Dax Milne kind of having a similar future. You know, he's not really getting a ton of attention but he has uh, the stat I was looking at today. He and Gunnar Romney are number two and number three uh, in the uh, catches that are 15 plus yards downfield, the number of deep catches this year. And to have two guys from the same team in the top four, that's awesome. Gunnar Romney, he's doing just as well. I mean, he's just had highlight after highlight. 
Uh, Mason Wake's been a little quiet, but on a, as a whole on the season, I love what I've seen from him. Man, I'm getting excited, kicking my pictures here on accident. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just there's so many bright spots. The defense has been stout. One thing I was thinking about earlier today, typically in the BYU secondary, at this point in the season, you say, oh, I hope they don't throw it this direction or that direction. I haven't had that thought all year. Our secondary has come up. They've made the plays they need to play. We've got a lot of just guys that you wouldn't recognize their name and say, oh, this is our guy. But you've got nobody being exposed. And, and I love that. So, I mean, yeah, I could, I could go on and on. I do believe the more I see this team, the more there's going to be a lot more talent in the NFL than just Zach Wilson. I think a lot of them, it's going to take another season to get there, you know, but I mean, the offensive line is stacked. We've got big, beefy guys. That's why the people who don't hate BYU, the national pundits, they're saying this team is a legit top 10 team because they're winning every facet of the game. They're winning the line of scrimmage. They're, they're dominating just everywhere they're supposed to. And so, I, yeah, I, I love so many things about this team. Hey, and, and you said you could go on. You might as well because there's nothing to talk about on my side. <laughs> so. There is some interesting things to talk about on your side. Uh, we were talking back and forth earlier. There's some rumors and some rumblings that if this game happens against UCLA, Utah fans might wish that it didn't happen. Yeah, wars and rumors of wars, right? Um, the Dude, it's uh, it's... I have a source. I'm not going to divulge the source because it's not good, but I don't want to divulge said source. But let's just say my one of my brothers has, has a connection to someone really closely who plays on said team. And, uh, like, they're literally – dude, they're, they're, they're using walk-ons on the line because there's so many people that are out – like even even their thin the, the the scout team is thin of players because there's so many people out and I'm not sure if they're they've all been diagnosed with COVID or if it's the whole contact tracing they were you know came in contact with so and so so they have to be out but dude if we if we uh, if we do take the field on Saturday which is looking like it's in doubt it could get really really ugly I'm talking like third fourth string linemen and in in fifth string secondary guys and it just it's not going to be pretty. So if we do, it could be a bloodbath because UCLA, they're not great, but they have played a game already, you know, and you like the old, the old saying, you improve most between your first and second game. So they're going to be on to their second game. We haven't played and we're, we could be down like 15, 20 ro- solid contributors, you know, some starters and backups. And so it could be, it could be ugly. So I, I'm to the point where, I just got this way this week, I think today or yesterday, or maybe after the first game was canceled. I was super stressed about it being canceled. I was so bummed. Like I'm to the point where I'm no longer, I don't, not that I don't care, but like, it's like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. Like I'll take any game at this point as a blessing. And I really won't care about the outcome because I just want our young freshman studs to get in and make their mistakes. Now, you know, figure out how, to, how they're screwing up coverage now in this year that doesn't really count in the four games we play or three games we play. So next year when 2021's back and we have a full season and we're ready to go, we've got all those rookie mistakes out of the way so our defense is ready. That's that At this point, that'll be a win for me. If we just get all of our young players playing time now so they can make their mistakes now, that's that's good enough at this point. I've, I've detached myself from wins and losses at, right now. There, there's some wisdom in this strategy. The national guys, the, the guys talking about BYU, have pointed out that one of the strengths of BYU's team is they were so 
plagued with injuries last year. The guys got game time experience that otherwise wouldn't have, thereby making this year's team much deeper than it should be. You know, BYU doesn't recruit well enough to be two, three studs deep. You know, we've got really good ones, and then there's a, a drop off. But because of all that game time experience they've had, this is a much better team than they otherwise would be. And so, question to you is if you view this season as this doesn't matter, we're just, we're going to try and gain the most value for the program as we can. Do you rotate super heavily and just try to get everybody some experience and say, I don't care if we win or we lose. I just want to get my guys some experience. I mean, does this overall objective shift for you if you're Kyle H. Whittingham? I think it's I think it's shifted for me already. Like I said, I don't care anymore about the wins or losses. I wanted really bad to be the first Pac-12 team to win the division three years in a row. You know, because nobody's done mm-hmm. that. I wanted that, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Um, and I think, yeah, man. But I, I think I don't. I don't think you go just through the whole roster and play everybody. I think you play guys that you think are going to that need to develop that are going to play a lot next year. First and second, and maybe some third string guys that will hit the field a lot next year. Play those guys, yeah. But don't play a you know Joe walk on at linebacker just because it doesn't count. You know, <laughs> if if he's not going to see the field at all next year, then don't waste reps on him. Seriously, you know, yeah, you make sure yeah. make sure the reps you're using are good reps for people that it will benefit down the road. Absolutely, I don't I don't care anymore if we win or lose. In fact, I'm expecting us. Well, one, I'm expecting not to play this weekend, and if we don't play this weekend, I mean, we'll be into Thanksgiving week before we've ever played a game. Okay, yeah. and our first game will be against USC at home. They'll kill us. They'll have three games under their belt. We'll have none. They'll kill us. Anyway, so I, one, I'm not expecting to play this week. But two, if we do ex- play, I expect us to lose based on what I've heard as far as who's going to be able to va- available and not, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, at this point, all I care about, let's get some. Let's get the, the, guy, the young guys' reps. Let's see some flashes here and there. And then as we lose, just I'm prepared for it, man. I'm mentally prepared for it already, so... I had asked you this question a few days ago, and I want to get your answer for the listeners out here. Let's say you're lining up five offensive linemen who were from your scout team. I mean, they were never meant to see the field. They're not just two deep, three deep. They are four deep. You know, you're going way down the depth chart, and those are your five guys protecting your quarterback. Which of your stable of quarterbacks do you put behind this what patchwork offensive line? Well, I think... As Wit thinks, if you're ready to play, if you can play, you play. No excuses, right? So I, I think uh, I think you personally, I'd put Cam. I mean, I don't know who's available in the quarterbacks, but if they're all available, I'd put Cam Rising in there because he's mobile and he can escape pressure. And if if you have walk-ons on the line, you're going to have dudes in the backfield all game long, right? So you need someone who can escape and maybe pick up a cheap seven, eight, ten yards, right? So that's who right. I'd, I'd play at quarterback. Um, I mean, it sucks because if if you if we're really playing walk-ons, like, and, and it's not just like rumor. I mean, it is rumor, but it's not. I mean, like, Witt even said it on his coach's show. Like, our scout team is thin. Like, we don't have enough guys for a scout team. He said we're borrowing guys from scout team to play on offense and guys from offense to suit up on defense just to give 11 guys on the field. Like, this is a it's a bad situation, man. It's a bad deal. So. Um, I don't know where I was going. I was just rambling. Basically, if if uh, if if your li- if our lines as thin as it sounds like, then I would put I'd put Cam Rising back there. But who knows, dude? He could get injured in this situation, and 
who knows? Who knows? For sure. I well, and I think if I'm Whittingham and I do put if he's my guy, if we find ourselves down 14-0 after the first quarter, 21-0 middle of the second quarter, we're rotating through because the benefit of getting more experience for more guys, that's there. But also, you don't want your guy to just be out there vulnerable the whole time if he's your guy. So I'd say rotate them all through. Give each quarterback a quarter and say, eh, it's a scrimmage. You know, I don't care about the result. Yeah. It's a scrimmage. Let's get everybody a little bit of reps. Dude, someone that that's a good way to look at it, a scrimmage. That's what our seasons turned to turned into. And it's 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 crazy to start comparison between our two seasons, but that's what it's turned into is just some scrimmages. I mean, we literally at this rate will play three, maybe four games. That's it. The whole season, right? Yeah. Um, and someone today online, I don't remember who said that it's gone from being a season to a fundraiser, which is what it is. Yeah. The only reason they're playing games at this point is to try to recoup as much TV money as they can, you know? Yeah. Um, because yeah. we're losing so much having the season disappear. So it's basically just like a, a fundraiser at this point. So scrimmage, man. Play, play everybody that you feel is going to be on the field next year. Give them reps. Let let Clark Phillips misread a defense now and, and give up an eighty yard touchdown so he doesn't do it next year, right? Yeah, like that's yeah, for that's sure. at the point what I'm looking for is stuff like that where if Clark Phillips is in there he looks aggressive but he made a mistake and it costs us a touchdown. Well, let's have that cost a touchdown this year when we're only playing a few games and it, it's such a screwed up season. Then next year when I'm feeling like we could compete for the South again. Yeah. Shout out to the small town of Lima, Montana. I used to go fishing up in Montana all the time. And Lima is a small town southwestern, southwestern Montana. Yes. And uh, just off of the I-15, if you're up there, there's some there's some nice rivers around there to go catch some great, terrific brown trout, some rainbows. Uh, but uh, we've driven by sometimes when they're playing a high school football game in the fall. And they play a seven-man football and it's seven on seven. And I think it's so cool to see that, oh. that like small towns, that's what they do. They adapt. And the thing I always remember is that the Lima High School mascot is the Bears. And it's written in such a way that like you could like driving by with the field kind of at a weird angle from the freeway, it looks like it says Lima Beans, which is just funny, oh. you know? Like yeah. the the R looks like an M. But but yeah, uh where I was going with that is let's have the Pac twelve do seven man football and just see what happens, you know? Let's let's simplify. <laughs> hey. I don't know if we could feel the seven-man football team at this point. <laughs> but true. honestly, I, I, I think I brought this up last week. I, I may have. I don't know. But I have brought it up online. What I think they should do, I honestly think, and I know there's a lot of red tape involved in this, but I think they should say, screw the bowl system. Screw this playoffs. We're not making it anyway with five wins. Let's just s- schedule out to through February and have a round-robin season and play 10 games. You know, we, we yeah. could we could have bye weeks, a second in January, the second week in January, the first week of February, et cetera, and just play the season out and have it just have it have have it for the Pac-12 championship. And that's what you're playing for this year. And that way everyone can play games like what's the point? We're, so we're trying to it, fit in the, the, the deadline that the playoff committee set. I mean, we can't meet that now. The fact that we started so late and we've canceled games. So just say, screw it. We're not, we're not playing in the bowls this year. It doesn't matter. We're just going to play a bunch of Pac-12 games through January, February. I would prefer that because that would give us a full season and a lot of experience, right? Well, there's another benefit too. It's a bold move because the Pac-12, if they do that, and if they're the only ones to do it, and I'll just stop right there. That's why they won't, because this year what we've seen, they are followers. The Pac-12 has not been leaders, and I don't think they're very, like, the leadership, the mind at the top, they have not been very innovative. They're not very creative. However, if they do, if they were to go out on a limb and do something like that and be a leader, 
who else are you going to watch play football in February that's interesting? Yeah. You know? Like, like no, okay, no the fo- Super Bowl. But, yeah, after the Super Bowl, like, we're tuning into Japan and saying, oh, look at this Japanese league. And, and some people are so into football that that's what they'll watch and that's what they'll talk about. But the money is there. If suddenly the Pac-12 is capturing a national audience of football fans, there's a lot more money in that than there is in the Pac-12 after dark. Yeah, and I and plus we'd get to play more than three freaking games, so I would be all right. for it. Give our guys that experience now. And Britton Covey himself said, "Dude, spring ball is just as hard on my body as a season is because of how oh, really? it does it." Yeah, he said he's like people people think it's this relaxing time. It's not like the practices, the working out. It's like he's like so if I'm if I'm putting my body through stuff anyway, I might as well put it through games and and have that be spring ball instead of. Instead of the regular spring ball, play play through, like I said, play through the end of February and, and have a couple open weeks so you can play your games and have the Pac-12 champ declare at the end of February. Then you got the summer to train and back ready for 2021. That's what I would do if I had any if, sort of control at all. If I'm reading into that, does that mean Wit when spring ball goes full contact in his, his ones versus his ones, his twos versus his twos? I mean, he's just out there saying, this is football. I think for the majority of the players, I know they they hold out some of the big time stars. You know, like Zach Moss last year didn't participate in spring. Um, Chase Hansen one year. So like, I think if if you're participating, it's it's regular full contact hitting and, mm. and practices and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because he's Let's he's go. got that old school man. He's he's still he's still yeah. that old school like lunch pail. If you're if you like Jerry Sloan, if you're dressed, you're playing type of thing. You know. Um, I, I think I he's, like he's softening a little bit, but he still has a lot of that old school mentality. So, well, and his his guys are ready. I mean, you can't. You look at everything he's built. You can't. I mean, he's he's built something that works. So, yeah. Let's jump over to the mailbag. We've only got a couple entries this week because let's be honest, we're all distracted with a lot of other things. So, um, that's all right. I think I got this question out there late. Um, question from one Bones Johnson Eleven, whom you may know. And I think we've already been speaking to this a little bit, but he writes in, would you rather Utah play all five remaining games with walk-ons instead and get smoked or not play any games at all? I would rather play and get smoked. Any rep you can get a player, like I said, to prepare for next year, you can't, it's better. Um, it'll look bad. It'll be frustrating. People, BYU fans will make fun of us because we're 0-5 or whatever. But like, I think you need to. I think you need to. Yeah, play, man. Okay, and then a correction. I had talked. I mentioned earlier the question. I thought it was Johnny J. This actually, the one we talked about earlier about the discrepancy between the high and the low of the different programs. That comes in from Participation Trophy, aka at Cycling Ute Twenty Two. He was the one that asked that. We already kind of addressed. However, Johnny J Twenty does ask, which player did you personally? You think about your program. I'll think about mine. Expect to be next-level talent when they signed with your respective school but never amounted to much. And then in parentheses, he calls that the Heaps Award. And then, conversely, this is a part two of the question, which player did you never see coming and they far exceeded your personal expectations? And then he calls that the Milne Award because I think he likes Dax Milne for that. Interesting. Uh, This all-time or this year? I guess it, I guess it I, I think he's asking all time during the time that you've been a fan. You know what what has surprised oh. you? What has surprised you in a bad way and surprised you in a good way? Let's see. Surprised me in a good way. 
I mean, I always knew Eric Weddle was going to be good, but I didn't know he was going to be an NFL Pro Bowler for a half dozen years. So, um, But as far as I came to my program and, and thought it would be good, okay, there's a guy. I remember his name. His name was Damian Payne. He was a safety, signed with the Utes, I think, in 2010. Had a bunch of like high-level offers, like big-time, big Pac-12, SEC, Big 12 schools. And I was like, oh, this dude's going to be a su- – this is in our Mountain West days. This dude's going to be a superstar. And he never really was. He didn't see the field much, and he transferred after his freshman, sophomore year, something like that. Maybe another guy is uh, – Daryl Poston. He was a running back like in 2006, seven, he was a transfer from USC and everyone's like, Oh, this guy's the next like Marty Johnson or like, um, whatever big time you back. And he never really did crap. In fact, he had a couple games where he, there was a hole against the air force. I remember this game. We lost to air force at home in 2007 after Brian Johnson, 2007. Yeah. After Brian Johnson got injured, um, and, and uh, he was, we were down to Air Force like four, and we had the ball at the goal line, and it's fourth and goal, and he had a hole like the size of freaking 15 feet wide, and he ran right <laughs> into the back of uh, the center and got tackled. We lost that game. Or another guy from that roster, maybe even Tommy Grady. He was a transfer quarterback from Oklahoma, and everyone's like, this dude's arm is a cannon. He's incredible, and he never, he never played much. He played a game or two, but didn't, didn't do much. So that's my award for the um, guy that, that didn't do much that I thought would, and maybe people that surprised me. I think maybe someone like Mark uh, Marcus Williams. He was just a low two-star. He had like an offer from Utah and like San Diego State or something, and he came in and was a Mountain All All Pac-12 player, and uh, he's been starring for the Saints for you know three or four years. So I'd say he exceeded my expectations. And Britton Covey. I mean, we we saw Covey's high school highlight tape, which was unfreaking real. Like he just couldn't be tackled. But I, everyone was like, ah, yeah, but he's five foot two or whatever he is, and he's gonna get crushed. And he came in and immediately, immediately was our best receiver. Like the, his first game as a true freshman against Michigan, he had like six big catches. Made their their DB Jabril Peppers, who was this All American, look silly. And just Covey from the start was a stud, and I'd expect that. So those are probably my – I know I mentioned several there, but those are my choices. That's awesome. Yeah, that's those are some some deep, deep finds. I, I don't really uh, – the guys who never amounted to much, I, mean, I don't recognize any of those names, obviously because they didn't really hit your expectations. And, and then, yeah, I, I, I think those are great choices. I think uh, – for BYU's program, I mean, I'm not going to surprise anybody with this. Ezekiel Anza, Ziggy Anza, everybody knows his story. Didn't know how to put on his pads. He was a track and field player from uh, from Ghana, and he uh, he ended up cracking, you know, getting a walk on spot. And then because of an injury, I think uh, the the dude from Alaska. I can't think of his name right now, but there was a guy that went down an injury, and so he ended up making the starting rotation his senior year, and just as the year progressed, he got better and better and better. You saw his metrics become important. Suddenly, yeah, his speed and his size became, a, as as he understood the game, it was incredible just to see his, his development, and suddenly he was a star, and then he goes, I think he was drafted top five and pro bowler and all that, and you go, you go from nothing, I mean the recruiting isn't even a factor. There's no recruiting. Nobody recruits to Ghana. Yeah. Nobody looks there. The guy's just, he's not on anyone's radar. Literally just not, nobody was looking at him. And so his story, I think has to be one of the more impressive, one of the more amazing ones. And then, um, we'll say kind of the same thing. Uh, Mo Longi's story is, is somewhat similar. He's way out there on the islands. Uh, but he was recruited. I mean, his size his and here's the thing. 
people who know football did not get that excited about him because they're like, well, yeah, he's huge, but if you can't if you can't get that that position, if you can't get underneath the guy you're about to hit, it doesn't matter how much you weigh. It doesn't matter how big you are. You got to get the leverage. And so you, you notice this, you, you've had time in Alaska, I had time just yesterday, when you push a car out of the snow, did you spend much time pushing cars out of snow, or did you not really ever oh, have yeah, snow yeah. that was my that deep? My car, my car, my truck, I had yeah. some, che- some crappy Mazda little tiny pickup where only the, fright, the front right wheel spun, for some reason the left <laughs> one wouldn't, so I was constantly... So it's a one-wheel drive? That's awesome. Yeah, it, was, it literally was a one-wheel drive truck, exactly, and that thing was getting pushed, we were pushing that out like daily, my friends and I, so yeah, I know all about that. Yeah, yeah. So you you dig yourself a little foothold. You dig out from the tires, and you you, know, you don't want to spend too much time because it's cold out. But you got to get low. And when you get your your feet dug into the snowbank and your shoulder is underneath the bumper, at that point you can move a car because you've got leverage because you're low. So Molangi being the weight of a car, you could still push him around if you've got the leverage. Now that being said. I got excited because I thought, man, if his heart's here, if his passion is here, why not make him a running back? You know, if he can learn to grip a football and get a get a head of steam going, I don't care who you are. If that guy, if 400 pounds is running as fast as they can at you, that's a guaranteed three or four yards every time. He can fall down and get three or four yards. And I was ready for him to have a storied career as the next iteration of Refrigerator Perry and just Hall of Famer, all that. But you know, a lot of times uh, with the really extreme sizes, you've got really extreme and rare physical uh, what hinderments and hamperments, and, and he he couldn't play with injuries. So, um, yeah, shucks, I was excited. I, I was dreaming. I was thinking, man, he what what could have been. Um, on that topic in general, though, Greg Rubel uh, a few years ago, I think he was asked something similar, and and I think it likely was related to Jake Heaps and. Uh, he had pointed out that he does not pay attention to recruiting at all because so many things can happen between when they commit, you know, they can decommit. And then you're right. You never know, like before their freshman year, we, we think we know how good they're going to be. But so many times the guys we're talking about this year, I mean, everybody I just mentioned on BYU's roster that I believe will be an NFL or someday, Isaac Rex, Dax Milne, Zach Wilson, none of these guys got a ton of excitement around them out of high school. I mean, Zach Wilson, maybe he had some good offers. He had a uh, Boise State. He had a, a three or four P5 offers as well as BYU, uh, but not a ton of, I mean, they're not four star, five star guys you're really excited about. And then suddenly they get in, they develop, you know, how, what your commitment is, how hard you're willing to work, how passionate you are about the game. These factors make or break a player at this level. And so Greg Rubel, his philosophy is once they're in the program, then I learn about them. Then I start paying attention. Then I'll have something to talk about. That's when you get the interesting stories. And I think that's great advice for us as fans because you can't, number one, it's a little bit creepy. Like uh, learning everything you can learn about a high schooler and saying, hey, I photoshopped you into my family picture, which some BYU fan did a few years ago. Some of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I wish I was. I wish I was. There was a guy that was like, he was tweeting at a recruit and he put that kid in his family picture. And he's like, if you come to BYU, you're part of the BYU family, which means you're part of my family. And I want so badly to say it was a troll, but man, it was real. And it was so cringeworthy. It is. Oh, I mean, BYU yeah. doesn't have a corner on the market of cringeworthy fans tweeting at recruits. It gets weird all the time. 
I don't like tweeting at recruits. I do like, shout out to Riboflavin LLC, at Riboflavin LLC. This guy's got this shtick going this year. Have you seen it yet? There will be a high schooler that's like, hey, I've decommitted from UCLA. I'm going to make my decision in the next two weeks. And Ribo will jump in and say, I'm this kid's uncle. He's definitely going to Arizona State or something like that. And he'll say that over and over and over again with, like, different high schoolers that are making their decisions. And people will fall for it. And then sometimes, like, the family <laughs> members looking around like, what? Like, which uncle is this? They're trying. To, I mean, it's not obvious that he's not the uncle. So they're looking around like, all right, which uncle's spilling the beans on this kid? That's anyway, funny. it's a great shtick. I love it. Huh. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of stuff I'm I'm hanging on to Twitter for is stuff that makes me laugh like that, you know, like yeah. oh, it's been a rough year for Twitter, man. It really has. And you think about it the has. election, the the election cycle, the social issues that are going on, the COVID issues, and the fact that for a majority of the spring and summer, everyone was at home doing nothing but tweeting. Like it got <laughs> yeah, it got bad, man. It's uh, anyway, it yeah. did, and we would like to take this moment to express a sincere thank you to all of our listeners as well as all of our followers because it has been rough. And this is a fun outlet for us. And honestly, we'd probably do it whether or not we had an audience because it's fun for us to just like catch up with each other and talk football. But it makes it even a little more exciting, a little more worthwhile to have an audience. So thank you yeah, for listening. Thank you. Yeah, and before we close, because we're, we're getting close to our, our time here, was there any follow-up things that we had to follow up on? I can't remember. You know, well, I don't know if it's even worth getting into. I said that I would update the Sagarin ratings every week, and they changed a little bit. Actually, so three weeks ago, Utah had a tougher schedule than BYU when you compare the top six, top six, but not by much. And then BYU suddenly had a much better schedule because both Boise State and San Diego State balled out, so their ratings went way up. Uh, because Boise State and San Diego State both lost, I mean, Boise State lost big time to BYU, their ratings dropped. So once again, Utah has a tougher schedule than BYU, according to Jeff Sagarin, but not by much. Now, that being said, I didn't update for the fact that Utah has one less game. So, yeah, anyway, I didn't take that in consideration, but so that anyway, doesn't matter you, as much anyway. You were- you were not going to follow. So you were only going to update us if they continued to have a better schedule than Utah. Is that what you're saying? No, you're no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. You know me better than that. Uh, uh, no, I was just going to gloss over that because it's boring and stupid and Utah might not play football anymore. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, no, Utah. Sorry. I mean, it is. I would expect by the end they, they may be neck and neck, but we'll have to drop. Once we drop Arizona, that was Utah's second weakest opponent that by default bumps Utah's up, but then we'd have to drop Louisiana State to go five toughest versus five only games. Anyway, we, I will keep an eye on that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna have a answer to this question of what does it look like at the end of the year. Here's a distraction. This might open a whole new can of worms. Um, there's been before you go there, before you go there. Okay, you were updating yeah. on 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 the. Um... On Sagarin and I, as you know, like to update on the FPI, right? So okay. You, yeah. Because because we had decided if you're gonna pull Sagarin, then I can I can find one that helps me out. Oh yeah. Pull, pull, pull whatever FBI. you want. Yeah. Yeah. So according I, I to would the F- pull from all of them if I had enough time, but I just I've gone with Sagarin because he's easy and handy and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, more data is better let's get more data in here espn fa- football power index the fpi this is what they do they yes. rank their teams one through 131 or whatever there are right um, yes. and i brought up last week um of your eight games including boise state right so it, it paints a different picture than sagarin i'll just i'll just say that the, he, he paints yeah. a little bit different picture there are five of your eight and, and let me just start off by saying listen byu is a good team 
I'm not I'm not I'm not denying that. They've proven to me they're a good team. You where where are help. they in the FBI? They're like eleven, I think, eleven okay, or twelve. Yeah. That um, that is a good team. You're right. And, and so you can't you can't control your schedule, right? You had no right. choice. This was put together. That I know. Okay. I, I spent yes. years in the Mountain West defending our schedule to Power Five fans when they would come into our message board. So I get it. I get all that. Yes. I'm just I'm just for 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 my purposes of, of tracking like like the FPI like your purposes of tracking Sagrada. I'm just updating right. So five right. of BYU's eight games you have teams rated 100 or lower in the FPI. Navy, okay. Louisiana Tech, San Antonio, Texas State, Western Kentucky. Five of the eight for Utah to play have played five teams with a uh, with a FPI of 100 or more. I had to go back all the way to 2011. So okay. in, the, in the last 10 years or, or whatever, there was Northern Illinois in 19, San Jose State in 17, San Jose State in 16, um, Fresno State in 14, and Colorado in 12. It took it took nine years to play five teams with a 100 or lower FPI in five years, right. five year eight or, or this year. So point is, you so, guys are so a good you- team. You're a good team. You're good. I'm not denying that. You're a good team. I will say that again. You're a good team, but the schedule sucks. <laughs> it does well, and that's, we've each got our way of looking at it. You're comparing our weakest teams to to the last time Utah had that many weak teams, and our weak teams are weak. North Alabama, Texas State, Western Kentucky. I mean, they're they're weak. The weak teams are weak. I'm comparing our toughest games to your toughest games, and like I say, your games. Who knows what the toughest games will be because there might not be any games. Um, and I'm saying they're not that different. I mean, Utah's still are are better, but according to according to your Sagarin, yeah, right. According to What's Sagarin, the FBI say on that? FPI, all eight of your teams, the average FPI is ninety, including okay. including Boise, who is a forty six. That's your best one. Then you have then you have Houston, who's fifty eight, and then Troy, who's eighty eight, and the rest are hundred and below. So your average FPI rating of all your opponents is ninety. Utah's average FPI rating of all their opponents is fifty one. Okay, so it's uh, it's not it's not. It's not good. It's not SEC level scheduled. I'm not saying that compared to right. SEC. No, but still, that's a that's a that's a forty point swing. Yeah, and that's a significant difference. Uh, let's go top three to top three. I mean, we got Boise State, we've got Houston, we've got San Diego State. How do where do those three fall compared to USC, ASU, and then whoever you want after that? Yeah, because it really is just those two for us. The rest are all dragging us down. But you got Boise at forty six. Houston at 58 and Troy at 88. Those are your top three. Oh, um, Troy you, is Troy's ahead of San Diego. Well, I these I just went with what you've played. I, I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. Once San again, Diego. Yeah. Okay, San Diego. I I believe San Diego is in the 50s also. So okay, I, I did say it. So we'll go 58, 53, 46. Those are your top three. Utah's okay. top three is uh, USC at 15, uh, ASU at 36. <laughs> And at that point, it's a big drop off. UCLA fifty nine, Arizona okay. sixty, um, OSU seventy. Yeah, so that so our top yeah. three: 15, 30, 36, and fifty nine. One thing I expect as the season goes on, if the season goes on, Boise State is going to be lowest. They're at their lowest point right now because they just got exposed, embarrassed, beat down. Every BYU fan has now become a reluctant Boise State yeah. fan because we hate cheering for them. But, man, they would do us the biggest favor by smoking everyone else they play. And so it's going to be hard. But, Agreed. man, I would love to see that Boise State strength like help us out here. 
Dude, um, it happens. Hey, I, yeah. it happens with me, man. It doesn't matter if it's Boise. When Utah, I cheer for Pac-12 teams for that very reason, you know? Right. Because you don't, you want your schedule to look the best as it can. So it's not just it's not just a BYU Boise thing. I mean, I remember for back sure. in the back in the Mountain West days, dude. I, no, I was going nuts when UNLV beat Arizona State one year, like going nuts, you know? Uh-huh. Because that's what you needed, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you about Boise if they can get their quarterbacks back because. Without their th- that third string quarterback, dude, he was he was not good. I mean, Sears looked good to start the game. Sears is a good player, yeah. the backup QB. He looked good, and then he went out. So it will depend. It will depend who's back and who's not. Who knows, dude? Who knows who's going to play? Like if Utah is literally starting walk on defensive linemen on the offensive line, who knows what other teams have to deal with? Did you? This is another diversion here. Did you go back and watch that hit where Sears got injured? We we were texting about it. You didn't see it live. Did you watch I it? I didn't. I came in. No, I was out doing. I was out. I, I was doing. What day was it? Was that a Friday game? Yeah, yeah. I was, it was a Friday. I can't remember night. what I was doing. I had some responsibility of my calling that I was doing. A social gathering out. for Halloween. I'm just. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was out trick or treating. No. Um, no, it, it's what it. I'd just be curious to know what you think, and maybe I'll just open it up to the listeners. Boise State fans say it was clearly targeting, it was dirty, everything was wrong with it. Uh, no BYU fans said anything about it. I looked at it and think, okay, if you're going to go by the definition of targeting, yeah, probably it was targeting. But the spirit of the law, when you look at how that happened and the and the reason the rules in place and what the rule is, Sears initiated that just as much as Peely did. I mean, he put his head; he was not looking where he was running. When you're staring at the ground, staring at the ugly blue turf and running forwards and and somebody pops you in the top of the head, I mean, yeah, it's dangerous, but that should be just as illegal as leading with your helmet as a defensive player. And so uh, I wouldn't have had a problem had they ejected Peely because by the rule, by the definition, I think it was targeting. Uh, But again, bigger picture, I I think they're fine to keep him in just because it it wasn't, you know, if you're a, if you're a traffic judge and you're trying to assign blame and percentage of blame to a traffic accident where someone is speeding and someone else ran the red light, that's not going to be a hundred percent one person's fault, hundred percent the others. You're going to assign portions of the blame. And I think Sears was a dumb move. You know, he shouldn't have been running like that. Everybody quarter, every quarterback does it, but they need to stop doing that. The problem is, it's the, the rule is so open for interpretation that it does it, it depends really who the the ref reviewing the play at the time is that'll kick him out or not because there's been uh, plenty yeah. of of targeting calls where I'm like oh, it's not targeting and they kick the guy out I'm like what in the heck but then there's also calls where it's like dude how are they not calling that how are they not kicking that guy like I I hate that rule I mean I understand it and I get it because you need to keep it safe but I hate that it's so ambiguous that it's open for interpretation to whoever's reviewing the play that day you know you'd have no idea going you have no idea going into a replay call unless it's super egregious you have no idea if someone's gonna get kicked out or not it's up to the guy in the booth i feel like the only solution to this and i've thought about this and talked about this before sensors we got to put sensors in the helmets i mean think about how many sensors you've got in your phone like your phone knows like has a compass all the time it has it can tell you like how fast things are moving, the acceleration, all that. We put a few sensors, and it'd be expensive, but if you get some sensors in helmets, and the helmet can tell us how violent a hit was and whether or not we should expect somebody to have a concussion, and then suddenly we remove the human element, and you all you have to tell your players is, if you make that offensive player's helmet move in such a way that they could get a concussion, you're out of the game. And then suddenly... 
you you can decide whether you want to lead with your helmet. Lead with your helmet and hit him in the shoulder. Great, you're going to injure yourself. But you know, it it suddenly becomes less of a definition of okay, did he launch himself? Did he do this? Do that? I'd say go ahead and launch yourself if you can hit him with your chest and take him out. Great. Just don't make that helmet move that fast. And it would take some time and some getting used to, but I think it's the only way that that's fair is say, yeah, you're right. are we causing concussions or are we not causing concussions? And that is the line that needs to be drawn. You're right. I think that's a good idea. And maybe they'll get the way. And it may be expensive, but dude, these, at least before the pandemic, college football programs are bleeding cash, man. They have cash everywhere, yeah. you know? I mean, we pay we pay $100,000 to have painted helmets every year each time, you know? <laughs> so they can yeah. afford the sensors. Um, the thing That's that, again, back to, back to this rule that just, there's times where it's like the receiver has the ball, he sees a guy, and then he like falls down or trips or stumbles, and then the guy accidentally hits him in the head. I hate when things like that happen where they get kicked out for things like that, where it's like, dude, he was trying to go low, but the receiver just happened to go low right at the last minute and cause... So I think Hans Olsen's brought up before. They need to have different levels of this call. They need to have yeah. unintentional five-yard penalty, player stays. If it's egregious, kick them out. But don't like... Just because they hit helmets, kick the guy out, and oh, by the way, he's missing the next half of the next game when they get 12 of these games a year anyway. I think it's so yeah. stupid. They need to have some common sense with this rule, but what, who, what yeah. do I know? For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for reform and common sense in that. Let's yeah. open one more can of worms, shall we? Sure. You're not going to let this go easy. In fact, it's not even, we're not going to, it's not going to let it go or whatever. Oh, man, what did I do? Touching my battery health there on the phone. Um, we there has been chatter of Utah fans were offended that this BYU team was compared to a 2008 Utah team, and I think someone on local Utah sports radio did it initially. Said, "Is this BYU? Is 2020 BYU better than 2008 Utah?" And the fact that the question was even asked was just insulting. So um, before you can, well, I'll let you collect your thoughts while I go through some numbers because I had a minute today. And I ran the numbers. And again, this isn't for me. I don't perceive any Sagarin slant. He's just my go-to guy. It's easy. He's already pulled up on my computer. I'm willing to compare any numbers out there. But I put the Utah 2008 schedule up and was actually surprised with some of the tough teams they played and then put it next to the BYU schedule. So Utah played Michigan, UNLV, USU, Air Force, Weber State, who was not that bad that year. Weber State was good that year. Oregon State, Wyoming, Colorado State, New Mexico, TCU, San Diego State, BYU. Uh, Our tough teams you had in there, TCU was number seven in the nation, according to Sagarin. And this is where they finished the year. So this is the the legit, this is how good they were. Oregon State, 13. That was a good year for Oregon State. Um, We had BYU at 32. I mean, anytime you can get a win over a storied blue blood program like BYU, (laughs) that's going to help your strength of schedule. Hey, it's been helping us a lot then lately. (laughs) Well, pre-bowl game, because, I mean, we don't know who BYU is going to play in the bowl game. So, obviously, Alabama, who finished number six, I didn't count them. And that's obviously the biggest one. Like, uh, Although they're only one spot ahead of TCU. BYU is the third best win of Utah's regular season that year at uh, 2008 at 32. And then, anyway, just some of them were, are falling where you would expect them to fall. You've got a weak team like Wyoming, San Diego State at 122, 136, uh, Utah State at 115 that year. Anyway, that all comes down to an average team ranking in the in Sagarin schedule of 76. BYU right now when we Whoa, put 76 all of their teams after in. 76 after a 7th ranked TCU and a 13th ranked Oregon yeah. State and it's it's that low. 
It is. Well, and that's that kind of tells you a little bit about how uh, maybe how useless these comparisons are or how futile they are is, I mean, that's spread. That's all over the map. Like that TCU win is a legit win to hang your hat on, you know, and then uh, I think there were a couple of them that were way closer than they should have been. It's come up a couple times. I mean, there was some they eked out a win over Air Force, right? Uh, am I mistaken um, on that? Air Force was. Yeah, that was at Air Force. Yeah, I was at that game. Yeah. It was uh, fourth and, down. Daryl Mack pitch for the touchdown. I remember that. Yeah. And, and Air Force is ranked 50, or not ranked, but Sagarin had him at 56 in the nation. So, you know, you've, you've kind of got all over the map, and sometimes things just, I mean, I don't want to say Utah, I'm not saying Ute luck. Sometimes you rely on a little bit of luck for things to go your way for the, for this perfect storm to happen, you know? Um, hey, well, anyway, I, I, average... I admit it, dude. TC, the TCU game that year, which we won, we were playing like crap the entire freaking game, and TCU's kicker missed two field goals with under like five minutes to go, and his last one right before our last drive opened the door for us to drive down. So, yeah, we needed a little luck. I have no problem admitting luck's some part of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and, and we'll say chaos, too. We all rely on a little bit of chaos, the ball to bounce your way. Sometimes the, the ball bouncing one direction is just, I mean – can have all the uh, what influence on the outcome in the world. Um, but yeah, point being, ran the numbers, average opponent strength of 76, whereas 2020 BYU, when I don't just consider the top six, but when I consider the whole schedule, average opponent strength of 93.6. So a significant difference, a substantial difference, but not to the point where I'd say, how dare you compare these teams? Uh, it's, it's in the ballpark, in the realm of we can compare. And here's the other difference, too. BYU, when they're playing, okay, so we say Air Force was close at 56. Houston right now is 58. That wasn't a close game. You know, BYU is just blowing the doors off of everyone they play with the one exception of San Antonio. I mean, that was their close game, and we're saying, yeah, okay. It, it wasn't really that. It was closer than it should have been. So Yeah, no, I, hey, I have I no know. problem comparing teams across generations. It's, and, and you know, I mean, like I said, you can't control your schedule. BYU I mean, okay, let's say last year's Utah team, who legitimately was an awesome team. They just choked in the Pac-12 championship. Let's say the pandemic happens last year, you know, and let's say Utah plays four games last year, five games last year instead, and we go 5-0. and oh, um, and It's like, is, you know, or, or, or we redo a schedule and play a schedule like you're playing, you know. It's nothing we could control. We were a damn – almost cuss. I'm trying to work on my cussing. Anyway, <laughs> we were a dang good team last year regardless of who we played, you know. And so maybe yeah. – you know, I have no problem admitting maybe BYU is a dang good team this year regardless of who they play. I have no problem admitting that. You can't control who you play, and, you know, you're a good team. Well, I, I think what the, the problem when you go ahead and compare schedules like this is, yes – you have your bottom dwellers that drag it down, down to 78. But, I mean, three or four of those games were really good high-level teams, man. TCU, BYU, Oregon State, Alabama, that's four teams in the top 30, and that's three in the top 15, you know? Uh, So, so like, there's nothing on BYU's schedule like that this year, at least before the bowl game, that, you know, compares to it. So it's it's due to, as with anything else, there's nuance to stuff, right? For sure. And that's why... I, I'm not going to answer with an opinion on this. I mean, I think it's a conversation worth having, but we're having it at the wrong time, and I wish Twitter would recognize we're having it at the wrong time. After BYU gets pitted against a formidable opponent in a bowl, I saw some projections I liked, the Fiesta Bowl versus either Oregon or Wisconsin or USC. After that game, whoever our opponent is, we can talk. You know, I mean, if BYU takes down that opponent in a similar fashion to the way Utah took down Alabama, we say, yeah. 
Maybe BYU is better. Maybe they're worse. Maybe they're exactly the same. But we can't have this conversation yet. There's still games to be played, I hope. Here's what sucks, dude, is just just cross your fingers you don't get the Utah 04 treatment. You know, Utah 04, Alex Smith, number one pick, Eric Weddle, NFL Pro Bowler, Urban Meyer, Al, uh, Kyle Whittingham, Dan Mullen, incredible staff, incredible players. We rolling through everybody and we get paired up against freaking Pittsburgh in the Fiesta Bowl. We did not get a chance to prove ourselves. I honestly, and I will go to my freaking grave because that team was incredible. And it may, dude. I mean, this could be your 04 type of team, a top five NFL pick. Um, you know, don't get tested. I, I go to my grave. That year, there were three teams that finished undefeated. USC with Matt Leinart, Auburn went 13-0, and Utah went 13-0. I have no doubt in my mind looking back, no doubt in my mind with Urban Meyer as the head coach, Kyle Whittingham as the defensive coordinator, Dan Mullen as the quarterback's coach, Alex Smith, a 15-year NFL starter, and Eric Weddle, an NFL Pro Bowler. I have no doubt that team could have beat any of those teams, and we didn't get a chance to play them because the freaking powers that be say, oh, welcome to this party. We'll, we'll, we'll match you up against Pitt. Go play over here in the sandbox over here. You're here, though. Congratulations. And I was so pissed about that because I think we could have taken any of those teams. I really do. Ah! <laughs> we got Jake worked up. We got yeah. a good episode today. Um, oh, here's what I remember about that game, and this is cool because me and my family at that point in time, 2004. Um, I'm trying to remember at what point my sister got married. My sister married a Utah fan, and I think he was a part of the family then. But I remember uh, me and my family were all BYU fans, and we were excited that year. And we went to my uncle's house, and we all watched the the Fiesta Bowl. Was it there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we watched the Fiesta. We were like we had a little party for that game, and we don't even care about Utah. But you're right. That's when we're all Mountain West brothers, and we're cheering for everybody to kind of do well and make a name for the conference. It didn't matter that it was our rival. We were like, hey, let's go see what the Utes can do. And we, we threw a party for it. And it was like, that's, that's how big that game was. And it sucks. And I think there's a really good chance that it happens with BYU and Cincinnati. And I don't know that I will be that mad if it is in the Fiesta Bowl or some other New Year's Six Bowl. And the reason is this. Everybody's hurting. Athletic departments are hurting. It's been a hard year financially. BYU just cut loose half of their communication staff, and my heart hurts for people who've lost their employment because of the way this year has gone. An advantage that BYU has being independent, and it's a built-in advantage-disadvantage. Everyone else shares that big-time bowl money with the rest of their conference because that way, hey, every year you've got some pretty much some guaranteed money coming in, coming your way. BYU gets that bowl. They don't share with anybody. I mean, that would be a huge shot in the arm financially for a program that, like like every other program, is having a rough year financially. That's why people have been talking about, do you schedule one more game to make your resume? I think if you're making a business decision, absolutely not. If you feel like you can rely on your resume up to this point, why would you jeopardize $30 million or whatever the payout is uh, just on the chance that you have an off game. What if Zach Wilson goes down on the second play and the team never recovers and we lose to someone like uh, SMU or Marshall or whoever else we want to try and play? Yeah. Well, dude, two, three things. Um, one, yeah, you, you don't share that money. So you take the $20 million bowl payout, you pay $2 million in tithing, you pocket $18 million, right? um, <laughs> hey, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but the thing is, okay, so your goal, to, do you schedule another game? If you are trying to get in the playoff, which like you said, there's a small, small chance. But if you can't have that opportunity, schedule someone really big and maybe sneak in the playoffs, I think you take the chance. If your goal is NY6, then don't. Because if you win your next two games, you're in. You're in. 
You, you'll get one of the at-large spots. And you know what? Even if you get Cincinnati, yes, it's a little disappointing because you'd rather play Florida or USC or, you know, um, I don't know, any, any you know, whatever, any big-name school, you're going to do that. But, dude, Cincinnati, is a, they're a good team. This is not getting pit. This is not getting pit in if yesable. This is a legit top 10 team with a lot of talent where you would be able to showcase against those guys. So if you get Cincinnati, celebrate, dude, because it's a top 5, 10 team in an NY6 bowl. And, dude, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often, man. Just in, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, enjoy every second of it because at least you have it, man. I don't even have a freaking team to cheer for. They haven't even played a freaking game. So sucky. Gosh. All right. Set that aside for a second. Uh, set that aside. I'm going to ask you as a businessman, because you're a businessman. I'm a businessman. If you are Tom Homo or whoever the decider is in that, and it's strictly a business decision, you know, you're you're removing all allegiance and fanhood dreams of playoff and all that. I mean, the playoff, I'm assuming, is a much bigger payout because you don't just have one New Year's Six game. You have two. I mean, if you can win that game and go on to the next level, there's probably way more money in getting in the playoff than there is a New Year's Six Bowl. Are you going to risk that? Because you're saying, okay, if we win, we have a much better chance of getting even bigger money, but if you lose, you get none. So obviously, like a lot of things in life, there's a risk involved. Do you take it? Yep, I do. I, that's just me. You do. I, I take risks more than... I take more risks than I probably should in my business endeavors, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I started a soda shop because I wanted to prove that I could, not because I was dying to start a soda shop. And, it, you know, <laughs> it, it, it ultimately ended up working out for me, but not as big as I had hoped. The, the reward wasn't as big as I had hoped. But I, I take the risk. Yeah, man. How many times do you get a shot? A shot at the if you have a legit shot at the playoffs and you can get there by scheduling a big time team and beating them, take the freaking chance. Take it. Yeah, the problem is there's no guarantees. You know, yeah, if there was a contract yes. that you signed yes. that said, if I win this game, we're in. Yes, but you risk something that might not be worth it. This is some life advice here. This is this is coming from Jim Carrey, and I can't remember the name of the program. But it was on Netflix. It was this weird. It was a movie, a documentary about the time that Jim Carrey played John Belushi or something like that. Anyway, he opens up, and he gets really personal, and he gets pretty deep. And Jim Carrey talked about the fact that his father enjoyed being a performer. I don't think he was a comedian, but he was some other type of entertainer. And instead of going for it, he played it safe. Okay, He, he said, I'm going to become an accountant. That's a safe career choice, right? You don't risk it like you would if you were saying, I'm going to Hollywood. But he still failed. The the economic circumstances, things beyond his control. Uh, he lost his job, and he just had he fell on hard times, and he didn't make it. And so here he is at the age right about where we're at with family, with dependents. Uh, he failed, and so the lesson that Jim Carrey learned early on in life is don't play it safe because you might fail anyway. You know, and if you're gonna fail anyway, or if there's a possibility of failing anyway, why not fail chasing your freaking dream? And now look who Jim Carrey is today. I mean, he, he's the opposite of a failure. He's had this yeah. storied career. I mean, he's I think he's achieved everything he's set out to in his career. So bringing that to BYU, scheduling philosophy, you go for it all because you might fail anyway. You know, you might lose You might lose to stupid North Alabama. <laughs> so so maybe, maybe bring them on, you know. You just never know. I but you could also take the opposite point of view. So I don't know. There's a million Plus, ways more, to look at it. I mean, it. more football is always better, man, you know. Yeah. Play, yeah. I love. You don't get very many of these chances. 
take do, do yeah. it I, I say do it i say do it you know if you're as Man. good as you think you are like you you say you know like you've said in the past zach wilson bets on himself he you know do it man do it that's what i'd say go for it bet, but bet on the us. problem is there's us. not there's not a lot of big time opponents that are out there to schedule this late in the game anyway though you know it's not like it's not like you can say well florida let's play you know or like i don't know there's yeah not a lot of choices well Someone put out a list of who's out there, who has dates that match up with BYU's. There were only two that appealed to me. One was Liberty, because Liberty, a win over Liberty, we, we laugh about a win over Liberty in previous years. They're undefeated, and they find in, they're, they're ranked. I mean, that would be a good win. They've so beat be two Power 5 teams this year, too, dude. They went into Virginia yeah. Tech and beat Virginia Tech there. Oh, and that that ending of that game was so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and I think I think BYU beats Liberty easily. I'd say if Liberty's open to it, schedule them because I think BYU can do that. I and that's maybe my bias speaking, but I think BYU does not struggle against Liberty. And if that boosts our resume, schedule Liberty, beat them by four touchdowns, find yourself in the playoff. You know, and there, there was one other team that I can't. I'm off the top of my head. I can't remember who it was, but there was about 14 teams that I looked at and said no. No, that doesn't do enough for us. That doesn't move the needle. That's one more game just for the sake of having a game. We have already proved that we can beat number 29 through number 204 in the Sagarin rankings. We don't need to mess around with anybody ranked worse than those teams. 204? Sagarin rankings go down to 204. <laughs> 204. Well, that's why I love Sagarin. Because who are they, ra- who put- are they talking about? North Alabama is, yeah, absolutely. North Alabama is two hundred four. Well, and that's what's cool because you take a team like North Dakota State, that's you know consistently doing well, and they say, okay, yeah, that's probably the fortieth best best team in the country, and and they'll find a spot for them and say, this is where we expect every team. And so these odds makers, they consider the entire puzzle where everybody belongs. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so yeah, North North Alabama is down there. Hopefully next podcast, please, please, prayers above, prayers up. Hopefully I can talk about a Utah game for once, man. For once on this season podcast. We've done like eight episodes and haven't even, still haven't been able to talk about one Utah game. It's crazy. What a year. This will be in history books. Someone will be like, for my oral report, I listened to eight seasons of a regional (laughs) college football (laughs) podcast, and here's what I learned about what life was like in the coronavirus. Yeah. So shout out to my nephew, Jack. I think he might be our youngest listener. Uh, I found out the other day, he my brother was like, yeah, Jack was listening, and I was like, I was just talking about how wonderful meth is. He can't listen to this podcast. But <laughs> How old is he? Jack, thanks for tuning in. He Well, I'm going to get it wrong now that you put me on the spot. He's probably 12. He's maybe, okay. Yeah, he's 12. Jack, I'm my gonna, deacon friend. Jack the deacon, I love it. All right, bro. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, anything else, otherwise we'll, we'll sign off, huh? Yeah, till next time. BYU's got a bye week. Utah hopefully plays. Uh, we'll, we'll find something to talk about next week. Go Cougs. Right. Go Utes.